How's it going, everybody? Nether week here. We're back at it. Um, this week has been an interesting week. I got I got to share. This week has been an interesting week, and uh, and it's inspired me to try something I've never done before on the show ever. And I've, I don't think I've done this on any show. And I've had a few shows. So let me let me explain the week. Uh, it involves a, a story of my kid again. You know me. I, I've seen to be telling a lot of stories of my kids. Clearly, I need fresh material or I need more family members to pick on and abuse. So uh, here we go. My son, as you know, is a reporter. He's a reporter for a national network here in Canada. I live in Ottawa, Canada. At the time of this recording, uh, Ottawa, Canada has been, it's Ottawa, for those who don't know, this is contextual, we're the nation's capital. So if you're American, this is the same as Washington, D.C. That's important. So uh, there's a fraction, a faction of the country who is, uh, let's just say, exhausted with all the consequences of COVID whether it be vaccinations, lockdowns, uh, online learning, uh, whatever. Now, we're not going to get into the politics of that today, but we're going to give you just the backstory. So all of these people, uh, mostly it was started off with a contingent of truckers, transport truckers, and then it has evolved to that, descended upon Ottawa from all across Canada, from the West Coast to the East Coast, all across Canada, and they've descended upon our parliament. It'd be like you're, if you're in the, in the States, they would have parked themselves in front of the White House. And But what you need to understand is there's about 10,000 people here, big trucks, 18-wheelers, RVs, uh, lifted pickup trucks. We got Confederate flags. We got everything going on, which is funny because we never had a Confederacy in Canada, but there you go. There's the influence of having a neighbor like the U S right beside you. So life is always full of stories. And, the, and, and our, our parliament is not designed to have this much traffic in front of it. You know, it's, it's just a tiny little street in front of it. People are amazed at how small it is. So you put all, so the people are spilling into the adjacent neighborhoods. And it has become kind of an us versus them. They're honking their horns nonstop. And it's it's violent and it's 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 emotional and there's anger and there's fighting and it's it's just not a pretty thing. Okay, so that's the setup. Now that all happened, that all happened on the on the weekend. My son was assigned to, rep- to be one of the two reporters for the national network to go out into those crowds and report. Now you understand that this segment of society are not fans of MSM. Mainstream media is the enemy. So my son is out there and he's got a cameraman and of course lights and all this kind of stuff. So it's pretty obvious that he is mainstream media and he's not well liked and he's around this very riled up crowd. It's so dangerous that they sent him out with bodyguards. And so as a parent, it's an interesting story and you're going, you know, son, I, I am proud of what you're doing, but maybe you should go into marketing instead of media. Just throwing that out there. It's a little safer. All right. Why does this matter? It matters because what's happened is not, it isn't as much what's happening there as what's happening on social. So on social, you've got, you know, all these uh, alt-right communities 
um, doing their thing, talking about the protests. And then you've got those who aren't alt-right, and they're all over Twitter and Reddit. And the Ottawa Reddit has been crazy. They've been brigaded. They, they're up to almost 100,000 comments on their threads about this. It's crazy. And it's been an amazing exercise to watch this back and forth of the social and the brigading and just the, 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 the opinions and the perspectives. And, I, and so that's my framework. And I thought, who can I get into it with based on what's posted on social where we may or may not agree and we can have a heated conversation, but without bias. Bodyguards. So I said to myself, who do I know that's a strong-willed son of a bitch who's got opinions and isn't afraid to put them out there, who I respect, so that's going to make it even more interesting. And if you haven't guessed who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Jake Dunlap. Jake, welcome to the show. Oh, I love that. Great, great setup, and um, I'm looking forward to the conversation. It should be fun. Okay. So we're going to use... Your, 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 your I, son is safe, by the way. Your son is good. Nothing too he's crazy. Good. He, he, did, he did get swarmed uh, more than one occasion, and they had to pull them back into the uh, uh, off off site to protect them. And that's a whole conversation for another day. Wow! But uh, you know, but he's definitely, all right. that's good. It, he's okay. He's good. He's good. Good. And as the local police chief says, nobody's died, so therefore this is all good. Nobody's. That's it's a great the, bar. It's, it's a great bar. That's it's a great bar, died. right? Yeah. We're not we're not at Charlottesville yet. Nobody's died. So there oh, we go. Um, so Jake is busy. He's a busy cat. He's prolific, I would say. Um, it's ironic because his company is called Scaled. And I would say Jake is all over social at scale. I don't think that's coincidental. He's he's very prolific. So if you don't follow Jake, you should. He's got some great content. You may not always agree with his stuff, just like you may not always agree with my stuff. That's okay. It's provocative. It sparks the conversation. And that's what we're going to do today that I've never done before. I'm going to randomly go into Jake's feed and pull out posts. And then Love we're going to see what Jake has to say. I don't, this could just be, we could be totally agreeing with each other through the whole process, but he's got opinions and let's, let's just throw it out there. So that's my inspiration, folks. Let's get into it. Here we go. We're going to open this up. And I love this first post I grabbed, okay? And by the way, you should be multitasking because if you like this podcast, Jake does have his own podcast. Go to jakedunlapshow.com. And it's brilliant. It's the Jake Dunlap Show. Of course, you can subscribe to it, I'm sure. So just go do the search if you don't want to do that. So two podcasts in one. Here we go. Jake, post it. It really feels like we have given up on Outbound. I see the same tired messages from 10 years ago. Still only like 2% of people are using video or other interesting methods. 99% of people use LinkedIn to send generic in-mails. In 2022, this will change. I mean, just try anything outside the status quo. Tell a joke. Mention one. Just one relevant reason why we should meet. 82% of people are struggling or missing or missing their outbound targets. So most companies don't need small tweaks. They need to scrap the old mindset of more is better and optimize every six months. But hey, maybe it's working. I'm just not seeing it. Let me know your thoughts. He's got a little poll because, of course, you have to have a poll because polls are dwell time. Dwell time drives reach. Everybody knows that. Um, Jake. Are you saying that we've given up on outbound? Like, are you like, are you crazy, man? Like, your whole business is all around helping people scale. <laughs> well, the, I think the point is that it, it, what it feels like is that people 
are either nervous or scared to realize the golden era you know, that from 2014 to 2019 of where, you know, not everyone was sending emails at scale. Not everyone was doing this. It's over. And it's been over for m multiple years at this point. And Outbound is still, uh, I mean, a fantastic source. But we have to realize that the same old tactics of email, email, call, email, 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 call have just become more complex. And that and nothing has changed in terms of you, you should have been customizing things. We were doing that in the 2000s, right? Like we were sending customized messages and generating meetings via Outbound. The problem is we got all these fancy tools and many leaders at first, we just started to hit the more button. And guess what? It worked because not everybody was doing it. And now fast forward it's 2022. Everybody is doing it at scale. And so the plays that we were using that worked, we continue to just keep trying those and hammering them. And we're not embracing, you know, rel more relevant outreach, more personalized outreach. Instead, we're looking for efficiencies for more volume versus more quality. And I think that, that there's a reckoning coming where we're seeing more and more organizations not focus on activity metrics, the old classic predictable revenue. If I just do this many activities and this and that's, it's broke, right? So many teams are missing. And now they're starting to think, well, hmm, you know, we do want our people to do quality outreach. We do want them to hit their targets and maybe hitting the more button isn't isn't the only answer. So, so many places to go. True story. I run into this on occasion with our sales cycles. So for context, for those who don't know, VanillaSoft, who I work for, sales engagement platform. So we're guilty of empowering you guys with those cadences and sequences to exactly the problem Jake has talked about. I'm not the only vendor who's guilty of causing this, but there you go. No, not the at problem, all. No, you I, didn't cause it. I would argue you didn't cause anything. It's poor leadership. It's it's like that, that's, that's one of the biggest yes. fallacies with these tools, Daryl. It's like, you know, across the board, these tools were never meant to be used the way that many, many, many teams, they were always meant, they were containers of activities and you can put whatever you want in those containers. And instead we, we filled them up with the things that were easiest to automate. So this is where I fight with some of my prospects and yes, folks, I do fight with some of my prospects and that's okay. That just means they're not necessarily a good prospect for me. And, and we walk away from that. And you have to be prepared to do that as a good sales rep, because if I conclude this sales cycle that I can go prospect and get another one, that's, you don't always, don't always hang on to the one trying to close it. If not ready. Anyway, I'm rambling. Here's what I, where I struggle with. I will have conversations with sales leaders when we're at that qualification discovery stage and I'll say, okay, this is, you know, they'll, they'll, I'll get the question all the time. Well, how do you compare with uh, outreach or sales loft? And I'll say something, I'll say, well, the first, and there's many ways, but one way is this. I'll say, you can't automate. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, we force you that every touch has to be personalized. So it's not like you can just set it and forget it until they finally reply to an email and then it pops up and you can actually do your thing. And you're just sending out bot-based, essentially, templates that are not personalized, not relevant, not effective. I said, we, you can design all your cadences, your sequences, but they come up from the rep and the rep, if they just want to be lazy, they can just say, yep, go. I said, but the point is it's meant for them to stop. Say, okay, here's the framework of an email, but let me go do some research. Let me hyper-personalize this before I send this. As you said, it's a container for activity, but that doesn't, we don't allow the rep to abdicate their responsibility to make this outreach, this touch relevant and compelling. And two, and I've lost more deals than I can shake a stick at because they're saying, 
I don't want my reps being trained monkeys having to click a button, click a button, click a button. I just want it to be all automated. And I'm like, your conversions are going to suck. Your conversions are going to suck. And you're going to come back to me and you're going to be blaming my tool. So what do you say to that, Jake? Do you think uh, we're, am I right? Am I wrong? I, like I don't it. care no, if I'm wrong. No, I'm, no, I'm de- Here's the point. My friends, marketing automation can do everything you want. If you just yes. want, if you just want to send emails, just go invest in Marketo or HubSpot or Pardot or insert, you know, constant content. I don't care which marketing automation platform and, and, and just have emails go out from reps names where you've put custom field one, two, three, four, five, like that's existed for a long time. You don't need a sales engagement tool for that. And, and I think that that's, that, I don't know what the issue is of why, uh, like why that's such a difficult, you know, kind of construct to, to comprehend. I actually think it's a great policy. I, I like it. All right. So you say here in your post, and then we're going to go on to the next post, folks. We're going to, we won't dwell here too long. Speaking of dwell time, um, still only like 2% of people are using video or other interesting methods that jumped out at me. I, I gotta be, I'm there with you. Why, why the hell are they not using other interesting methods, let alone video yeah. or audio I, messages? I think video in particular, um, well, I mean, a lot of people I mean, think it's just like, look at social media, right? I think Twitter is what, 10% of people produce content, maybe less. I think LinkedIn, something like two or 3%, Instagram, something like that. Maybe Instagram's a little higher. Um, I just think most of us are, are when it comes to per, like putting together a video, I think that there is a limiting belief that, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to, it's just like how, you know, you, you, when you listen to yourself on the phone, you're like, oh my gosh, this is brutal. And then whenever you see yourself on video, it, you know, until you get kind of used to it, you're like, oh my God, my face is red or I have a pimple or whatever, you know, like insert whatever, you know, insecurity. So I think for a lot of people, video, videos may be a little more vulnerable for them. And they're not thinking about the outcome. You know, there's a, a rep I remember I was talking to, she worked at Adobe. Her whole prospecting, she sent 20 videos a day and crushed her number. That's all she did. She just sent 20 personalized videos and then she'd follow up with video. And then she'd follow, I think she had some emails, I think, or maybe a call or something mixed in there too. But, um, you know, video is just such a way to create a, you know, a, a, you know, a more human emotion to an email, right? And, and I was talking to this, this other rep at uh, demand base, and he's killing his number. And, you know, he uses video in on Twitter, he sells into marketers, and he'll send the video, but he doesn't sell, he doesn't ask for the meeting in the video, he just adds value, hey, I saw this and this, I really enjoyed it, thought you might enjoy this thing too. Um, so I just think people are, you know, it's our own insecurities of why people are nervous. Um, they don't have a good construct, even though the reality is it's like the same thing that goes into a good email. Like you catch their attention up front, try to add value to hook them in, you know, make sure that it's something that's engaging. It's not too long. So I think there's a lot of people are nervous about tools that are new. And again, guess what? You can't automate videos like at scale. Now I have seen some really cool deep fakes lately that there's, there's companies that are developing these prospecting tools that are deep fakes where I can just say a name and it will like, it can like, it'll make my lips look like I'm saying your name. Um, <laughs> so that's the next, uh, that will happen. I'm sure like that'll be a thing for a long time. So, so long story short, I, I, I just think it's a nervousness and the leaders themselves never did it. So they're even more nervous about doing it. Um, it used to be seen as more of a gimmick or a campaign versus a, a consistent part of strategy. Uh, and I think those are those are some big, big reasons for it. 
I love video, guys. So here's what you need to know. Mom and dad raised us to be polite. Sounds stupid. And, you know, remember they would, they would hold your hand when you were a kid and they walk and they say, hey, this is Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Billy. And, and look at them in the eye, shake their hand and say, nice to meet you, that kind of stuff. And if someone looks, you know, someone talks to you, then you acknowledge them. Someone talks to you, you acknowledge them, right? You see, you see these things? This was instilled in us from the very, very beginning. So here's what happens, kids. When you send me a video on LinkedIn, mom kicks in and my manners and my guilt overwhelm me and I'm compelled to respond to you. Even if it's just to say, yeah, no thanks. I will respond to you. The other thing you need to know is that exactly to what Jake said, he said two things that were really cool. He talked about using video above and beyond just say LinkedIn, Twitter, or what have you. The best reps I love is when I've had, I've had complete sales cycles where I send an email to them, you know, they maybe ask me some questions. Here's my, here's my answers to your questions. And here's some more questions I have for you. And every time they respond back to me, I get a video. I don't get an email. I get a video. Well, Daryl screen share picture there. Uh, let's go through your email. It's right here in front of us. You ask this, here's my answer. Boom, 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 boom. Here, let me show you the product. Bing, bing, bing. Video. And it's like, you exactly what Jake said. It was personal. Now, Jake said something that was really, really telling. I loved it. He's the only other person beyond me I've ever heard say this. That sounds really rude. I may not have said it out loud, but I thought it. So when he said it, uh, I give him full credit, but he said it's the same formula. All right. So I'll use the, I use, I like to use the Josh Braun example of TTTT, right? Trigger, third party, uh, was it teach me, tell me? So my video is that, you know, I'm going to say something that provokes you, that triggers you in the first, you know, line. And then I'm going to drop a third party reference in there. Yeah, we work with, you know, Disney and Microsoft and IBM and scaled. And then I'm going to teach them something. Did you know that you can do this? That's really, because remember, it's built off the trigger. And then I tell them, which is, if you want to learn more, I got a cool piece of content. Just drop me a line and I'll send it to you. All right. That's the call to action. That's how videos become easy. You're just following the exact same freaking formula you follow in your emails. That's just a simple little trick I use all the time. Okay. Jake says, I think it's time for more and more sales and SDRs to go free agents like the rest of the economy. Sales is the last frontier for the gig economy, the gig economy. And I see an amazing opportunity here, not to go to work at an outsourced company, but instead to be one themselves not have to deal with the bullshit forecast meetings and paperwork and instead control their own income and time doing what they love. This is going to happen 100%. And I would hire three to four people like this today. Heck I have 40 plus clients that are hiring too, who could use this faster ramp time because the free agent is incentivized to get up to speed quickly, less bullshit on both sides. So there we go. Let me ask you this, Jake, are we, are you telling people just to become their own sales for higher fractional sales, SDR, AE rep? And if so, do you really think people will hire them? Okay. Well, let's look at, I'll already tell you what's happening. Let, let's talk tw about 2021 in particular, the explosion of outsource SDR companies that we saw is like nothing I've ever seen. The amount of companies that are going first to outsource SDR companies and scaling, the amount of people, and you've seen these people on LinkedIn too. You know who I'm, you know the companies I'm talking about. These companies went from like zero to five million in one year. Everyone is looking for people who can help them. And guess what? Every marketer, not every marketer, most marketers should know their cost for qualified opportunity. So if everyone out, everyone is going out and hiring, these firms are exploding. I mean, literally, there's a, there's a firm out of the UK, I think, Operatics. 
these guys went, I got like for like 50 to 250 headcount in like a year and a half or something. And so why couldn't you apply the same framework to you as an individual? People are already doing it with outsource shops. It's already, it's already happening. And all those outsource shops charge like a you know base salary. Basically it's like seven grand a person or eight grand a person. Um, so if, if a company knows their metrics and you know the space, I guess it's like you'd hire an outsource SDR from a, a firm that we all know how often that works out. Um, why wouldn't you hire someone who's really motivated and is like, man, I'm going to get this for you. And that's right. Like you're going to pay me on performance or you're going to pay me maybe a small stipend or something. Um, I just say it, it's the old, everything else has moved gig economy. And there are, there are individuals and people that are doing this. Um, but it's kind of, to me, the next logical step. If, if we're already okay starting to hire firms that do outsource SDRs, well, then the next step would be really highly qualified individuals that are like, I'm not working for that firm. They don't pay me enough because I'm better than all those people. So we're already doing it. We're just doing it through firms. And so I think, you know, people will start to realize that, um, you know, sales is potentially a profession. They can do that themselves. It's kind of, you know, the funny part is like, it's kind of like the old school model, right? Like the hundred percent commission sales stuff. I don't, I don't think it needs to be like that. Uh, but just like anything, you know, what is old becomes new again. So, um, I don't know, I don't know when it'll happen, but it's, I mean, I've already seen, you know, again, because of the outsource SDR, maybe a, a leading indicator, I think of more people experimenting, you know, with that model. I'm not going to work for you full time, but I will do this, this, and this. And here will be my metrics. I will manage it. Here's my territory or whatnot. And I will go out and crush for you. And you're going to pay me X percent because I already know what you pay for qualified opportunity. Why not? Then you can go live on a beach, go do whatever you want. You don't have to fill out the activity report. You don't have to sit in another one of these dumb pipeline meetings. Like why, why wouldn't you as a salesperson be, be at least, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, entertain a concept like that. The end of the TPS reports. Okay, here's the thing. I think both sides. I think the work from home uh, transition that's kicked in because of the whole COVID thing will do and enable exactly what you said. I think people are very much open to that. However, here's the rub. I think too many, I think most sales reps are scared shitless to do it because they don't believe themselves that they're that good a sales rep. Agreed. They would rather have the comfort of a paycheck. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a certain like level of people that are top near the top performers have done it long enough. And again, it's interesting. You know, someone had made a comment about like people won't give up their bonuses or their. And I'm like, uh, are you seeing what's happening all over? <laughs> like the, every like design and marketing and create like all these jobs. Like that's exactly what people are doing like the benefits, et cetera. But you're right. Maybe salespeople, I think, are maybe even more preconditioned to like want uh, to be a part of that. But no, I don't think it'll be 100% or, you know, even like a, a massive percentage. But I do think the thought that, man, there's probably a really good workforce out there that may not want to be full time. And as, as we're having these labor shortages across, I mean, no team can find enough salespeople to scale right now. Nobody. Everybody's hiring. Oh, it's true. You know, no, it's why, crazy. why not think about it? You know? All right. Jake says, had an interesting conversation today, and I had to push back hard multiple oh, times God. when this person said, hitting your quota today is more like hitting the lottery or slot machine. Oh. Yes, not everyone hits quota, but saying it's 100% lucky is ridiculous. With that said, they also said commissions caused stress and weren't an actual representation of the role because hitting the numbers wasn't all that matters. What are your thoughts on commissions? Are they antiquated 
or are they still effective when they are realistic? Uh, so sounds like you had an interesting conversation. Oh my uh, the God. poll, of course, you know, the poll here <laughs> is overwhelmingly 72% right now saying that the question was, are sales commissions outdated? It was yes, maybe, or no. And the answer is no, it's 72%. I got it. What was the genesis of this conversation that you had? Oh, I got to hear Darryl, the story. I got to tell you about this, man. This dude. And I get it. Like, it's it's really interesting, man. Um, it's so easy to take like take a topic to fit your your own narrative. And I mean, like, I think probably you and I, we both have to check ourselves from time to time to make sure we're being yep. objective. Um, you know, and a gentleman wrote a book about death to the SDR. And I was like, OK, that's interesting. And but as we really got into it, all he was doing was describing what the best of the best SDRs are doing around customization and, and other things, but just calling it demand gen. And that, that should be on the marketing side. I'm like, oh, so it's just like really good SDRs that report into marketing, like a lot of other companies. And, and, and so we went back and forth and I'm like, okay, this isn't, I'm not getting through. And then he went into this commission nonsense and it was like, uh, yeah, it's something to the effect of like, you know, well, look, you know, you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this. It's like, but that's why salespeople make more money than almost anyone else at the company. That's why they make double what an accountant makes. And like, yeah, there's some stress involved or it would be called information giving. If the job was information giving, I just cut everyone's bonus and just get, you know, everyone's commission and just give them like a 10% bonus on their salary and say, all you got to do is show up to this call. And all you got to do is just, you just explain it. You just explain it because they're so high intent, Daryl. Everybody who comes in and fills out a form is so high intent that all you have to do is explain the wonders of the product. And then he made a comment and I literally about flipped my table. He's like, and look, a seller can't really even, you know, influence the process. I was like, dude, then what is the point? Then we shouldn't have sellers. They should be information givers. They should be customer service. And so I appreciated his angle on like, demand gen being because I do think we overemphasize outbound. I do think companies feel like that's the only arrow in their quiver many times or that's where they start when the reality is they should be starting with more of a demand gen, interest building, you know, doing more in social, etc. I 100% agree with that. But outbound is still alive and kicking, performing and commissions when done correctly and when people have the right KPIs, they're not overemphasizing activity metrics. I really think this guy had a couple of really scarring experiences as an SDR and extrapolated it out to the market. And so, yeah, there was just a point where I was like, I'm sorry, man. I just can't let you keep saying this stuff. Like, I've got to check you. Like, this is just not true. And, and the commissions thing, when he said it was a, he's like, you know, the quotas and territories, it's, you know, they don't have any choice. So it's really, it's just like a slot machine or, or hitting the lottery. I was like, look, I don't, all territories aren't fair. All territories aren't fair. Totally agree with that. Some good salespeople get stuck and they fail. But to say that all of it is luck about how someone hits quota or if a customer says yes, it's just, it's being provocative for provocative sake. And so like, I just can't deal with that. I'm going to have to say something. So, so that was the conversation. Um, and that is why I got so fiery about it, but I wanted to see again, like I'm always, I'm always testing why I like polls 
is uh, it does give me an opportunity like the poll that poll that the very first one you mentioned i was actually surprised that there's the you know 16 percent of people in that poll that said yes outbound will, it will be obsolete with with demand i was like 16 percent. it's like oh that's kind of high like so i mean i like I, I like to just kind of gut check again to like not drink my own kool-aid of like my hypotheses or where i think the market's going or what i think where i think sales is going so um so that's what that's what happened with that one <laughs> okay Last one, and then we'll wrap it up and bring it home. I've got Jake so many says, though, Daryl. There's so oh, many you've got that lots. we could <laughs> I'm just scrolling and cherry picking, and that's the beauty of Jake's feed, guys. Go follow Jake. Uh, Jake says, more and more teams are so bogged down in the day-to-day that they don't even have time to analyze precisely the bottlenecks and fix them. Instead, relying on incomplete data and gut. We have created an environment where analyzing data is not seen as valuable as doing stuff, which causes teams to keep repeating the same mistake. So he goes on. He says, what bottlenecks are you seeing in your funnel today? And have they changed over time or does it stay consistent? Of course, he has a poll. The poll is what is the number one bottleneck affecting your sales and marketing pipeline? He has four options. Is it more? You, the, the, the number one bottleneck. Is it you, you, you need more inbound leads? Is it? You need more outbound leads. Is it you're struggling moving deals from step one to step two? Or is it struggling moving deals past step two? So what was interesting here, they said uh, 42% they need more inbound leads, which actually I would have expected that to be number one. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have expected moving deals past step two to be the second highest one. That one, uh, that one caught my, so a couple of things here that really jump out at me. It's true. We rely way too much on incomplete data and gut. I had a podcast episode recently with Peter Kazanji there at Atrium HQ, because it's all about just metrics and understanding, right? And it was about, you can, you need to use the numbers to understand exactly what, in fact, we talked about what you just said here. How am I, you know, if I'm having a conversation how often does that lead to a second conversation, for example, right? Understand the data so that you can actually sit back and, and use that as a catalyst to say, well, why does that number suck? Is it me? Is it my skill? Did I not set it up right? Did I not qualify? Did whatever it might be, right? That's what the data is for. And But too, too many people are afraid of math. And that was a conversation he and I had. So it was so wild to see you say this. But I never would have thought 29% said the bottleneck is moving deals past step Wild. two. Why I, I is thought that? That was like my throwaway answer. That was my like, okay, what's the next yeah. step in the pro- That was my like, what's the next step in the process? Um, and I think that's pretty, again, like, I, again, I, I wasn't expecting that at all. But, but to go back to the post, um, you know, I'll, I'll just the, the analogy I've been making a lot lately that I hope resonates is that, you know, marketing typically runs like a performance marketing agency. And what I mean by that is like, you know, if you're going to go and invest, let's say $200,000 a month in Google AdWords, right? You're going to spend 10 to 20% of that or have someone dedicated to optimizing that machine. On the flip side, you're spending $200,000 a month plus on your sales development team. And the way and the amount of money that you're spending to optimize it is half of a half of a half SDR leader's <laughs> job. A sales operations person who's overworked and candidly doesn't understand the tools like Vanilla Soft and others, like they've implemented it once, so they don't even know how to optimize. And instead, we optimize our outbound campaigns every like, what, six months? It's insane. We are pumping tens, hundreds of thousands of data points through a system that can measure, track and analyze what's happening. And we are so slow in sales 
to adapt, even though we have the data is sitting there. You can see what's happening at one, two, three, four, based on this type of touch point or this point. And so as sales, as the customer behavior is, is I feel like customers are getting so far ahead of us right now because I've, we're being trained to click to buy and everything in our consumer life that, and, and sales is just so slow and, and, and we don't invest in optimization. I mean, the, look, the good part is again, for consulting firms like mine, like the market is shifting to where companies are like, yeah, maybe we should hire a firm that can do this or can support us in it. But still, it's so slow. It's like a big overhaul as opposed to like, let's come up with some targeted tests and A-B tests and hypotheses the same way we would on our ad copy to get conversion. So I just think we have to take a, a, a more performance-based mindset and a, and a faster optimization cycle. And you can't have you know, demand gen on the outbound side, optimization be part time of a bunch of people's jobs, or you're going to continue to sputter because you're not learning and acting fast enough. And that's really where, where that like my, you know, my, I don't know, my main point or thesis from that post was. So let's bring this home. I get asked a question quite often and you don't have to agree with me. The question I get asked because I have more of a marketing background than a sales background is Daryl who should, where should the CRO come from, sales or marketing? And of course the answer is neither. It should be the person who best does exactly what Jake just described. That's the right answer. But when pushed to give an answer, I will say marketing because to Jake's point, marketers inherently through their job do that analysis, that optimization. They know data, they know systems, they know workflows. Now, it's a bigger conversation. That's for another show. Maybe we'll get Jake back. We'll have that conversation. It'll be fun. But what I want you to get out of this is that there's lots of opinions, just like my son on the Hill, dealing with both sides, or passionate about their beliefs and their opinions, and they're fighting and they're clashing. The only way you get resolution and you get direction is to have the conversation. Jake Dunlap puts it out there. He's not shy. I love his stuff. If you haven't followed him, you should. I try to do the same thing. He's better looking, so he wins. But that's <laughs> life. Folks, let me ask you this, Jake. They want to know what's the best way to get a hold of you. Yeah. Um, well, a couple of things. Like, one, thank you for talking about the podcast. It's, it's honestly, it was a, it's a, it's a big departure. You know, we don't talk about sales that often. It's really about people's stories, and it's just been a really fun kind of passion project. It's Jake Dunlap Show, as you, you said. dot com. So definitely, please go check it out. We've had some just really cool, amazing guests, celebrities, CEOs, etc., and it's been a lot of fun. Um, and then LinkedIn, LinkedIn and YouTube, I think are the places I've been investing the most. So go to LinkedIn, it's forward slash Jake Dunlap. I do my best to respond to DMs it might take me a few weeks sometimes. Uh, and then definitely go subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're putting out maybe four or five new videos a week now on, you know, wide variety of topics around, uh, you know, sales, leadership, career. So we're really investing a lot there. Um, and I, I just, I really love the medium. I, I love video. I've grown to love video. Um, you know, over time and, and really feel like it's a powerful way to connect. So those are the, the top three places you can come and check it out. I'm on the, the um, jakedunlapshow.com site. I get all the episodes. And of course, uh, this will be a little outdated time. This episode goes to air. But you know, look, some of the episodes I'm reading right now, to Jake's point, but they're not all necessarily sales centric. Mm -hmm. But the same breath, sales is hustle. And there's a lot of hustle in these shows. So from the DJ booth to the ESPN film room, right? We got... 
from building websites in middle school to managing a $100 million a year advertising agency. Um, expert generalists building a moral compass for artificial intelligence. The list goes on. But those are all some compelling topics. And every single thing here, ironically, has to do with sales because sales is getting a lot of AI. Sales is about building a book of business. $100 million a year ain't a chump change thing and you're going from DJ to ESPN. But we talk about one of the biggest things in sales was, was video and actually using the mediums. Everything here applies. Mm -hmm. Follow the show. That's Jake. I'm Daryl. This, my friends is the inside inside sales show. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks everyone.